0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody of the season at prices that feel just as good discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first like worthington and liz claiborne for her each in women's petite and plus sizes here spring comes in all shapes sizes and colors jc make everybody count you know that feeling when you walk into your home take a deep breath <sighs> and feel new
2: This is the Sports
3: Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder.
4: All doctors to the ER.
3: It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris, Chris Mannix. Mannix. All right. Akin Barakar here, co-host of the self-styled Akin Barack show. 12 to 1 Eastern time on Sirius XM 156. Flight Nation can also stream that show on DAZN. Been a while since I've seen you two in person. What's going on, fellas?
4: I'm still in the same place for the last six months in my
2: living room. Me, me, I'm traveling the world. I'm I'm not scared like this chump right here. And, you know, living my best life, basically. I don't have anywhere else to go. No,
3: you guys, you gotta, you just gotta be like me and go up to Vermont, like the whitest state on the planet, and just you know, <laughs> kick it, kick it in the hills with the cows out there. Uh, good to talk to you guys, though, and yes. you know, it's it, as boxing starts to pick up, we get some more interesting fights, right? And we're still not getting the biggest ones on the schedule yet, but we're getting some pretty good ones. Um, out there right now. You've got the Charlos fighting this past weekend, some good stuff coming up, but I want to begin with the Charlos uh, specifically because uh, they were the big story last week. And you watched Jermall uh, defend his title at 160 in the toughest test of his career, at least his middleweight career to date, mm-hmm. uh, against uh, Sergey Derovanchenko. Jermell continues his rise and really cemented himself as the top 154 in the world uh, with his win over Jason Rosario. Ack, we'll start with you. Uh, more... Impressive win, Jamal or Jamel?
4: I would have to say Jamal only because I feel like he he fought the better fighter, um, the more tested fighter in Dervachenko. And he, you know, he took some shots. He impressed me like his chin impressed me throughout that fight. Him being composed because he did, he did have to, he had to go through a couple of storms in Dervachenko in the mid rounds where he picked up his pace and was on his ass. And um, so he impressed me the most. Overall, but I think both guys, you know, uh, they made a statement that night, indeed. But I, w- I would have to to ask you a question. I would have to go with Jamal in terms of being the most impressive to me.
3: Barack, J- Jamal certainly, I-, I think, needed that win, uh, maybe as much or more than Jamel because of the last look. The last few years of Jamal's you know career have not been you know, filled with top opponents, to be honest. I mean, it's been, you know, kind of average guy after average guy. Derevinchenko was the first real contender uh, that he faced. But for your position, Jamal or Jamel more impressed by?
2: Oh, I have to agree with Um, Ak. Jamal definitely impressed me more. Like he said, he fought the better fighter. You see, with Jason Rosario, even though that was probably a bigger statement because of all of the belts that were involved for Jamel Charlo, but he only had flashes of greatness. So Jason Rosario, yes, he beat Julian Williams, but he also was stopped by Nathan Gallimore, who was beat by Julian Williams, beat by Lubin and Fondora and a bunch of other guys. So you saw flashes of greatness, so you didn't know which Jason Rosario was going to show up anyway. But when we're talking about Devranchenko, we knew a beast was going to show up, a guy who probably beat Triple G, a guy who could have gotten the nod with Daniel Jacobs, so that guy showed up, but he was outclassed and he was outboxed. And Jamal never really had the chance to prove himself in that division. So like you said.
3: Uh, you know, the one thing I would say about Dervinchenko, Ok, is that it did seem like he lost something off his fastball. Like the guy we saw against Golovkin at the Garden a year ago, you know, viciously attacked Gennady to the body. Like that's how he hurt Gennady with these incredible power shots. I didn't see a lot of that. In in the in the Charlo fight, maybe it's because Charlo's a you know you know fights differently, and you know they he couldn't get in there. But you know you listen to Andre Rigier in the corner of that fight, he's begging Derevchenko to go to the body. You know yeah. talking to Derev team, they were telling me like we were you know pleading for him to go to the body more. He just never he never built that attack, and if you don't have it, it just changes the dynamic of the fight.
4: I mean I, that could be true to some degree. Um, I hate to take uh, you know credit because that does take a little credit away from Jamal Charlo with that big victory. It could be that the last two wars took a little bit out of him, but also Triple G, his style is not so much, you know, he allows that. He he allows a fighter to get close to him and, and to trade shots. Jamel's like, rocket jab, it would make a guy think twice to get that close to land those body shots. So I think Jamel's style did have something to do with the lack of him uh, getting inside and landing those body shots. So, it could be a little bit of both, but I, I definitely want to give Jamal credit for, for using his jab and keeping Durvachenko away as much as possible because there were flashes throughout that fight where I saw flashes of flashes of that Durvachenko that we saw against Triple G. There were, I mean, he actually gave him a few rounds where he landed a lot of shots, but I think Jamal was able to regain control of the fight with the jab and kind of, uh, you know, keep that at bay, that, that style that we we saw. So, uh, but you never really know, man, if a guy, if a couple of fights took a lot out of a guy, it could be a little bit of both, but I I, I still love Jamal's win.
3: Yeah. And look, you know, for Jamal, it's the first time somebody has clearly beaten Derevchenko. You know, Jacobs was somewhat controversial. Golovkin, a little bit more controversial. This was a clear win that even people in Derevchenko's team were not refuting whatsoever. Who were, you know, talking more about going down to 154 than staying at 160 and getting another shot at uh, you know, it's Charles or any uh, top middleweight. But Barack, the hyperbole runs amok in boxing, and and immediately after, it's like. Yeah, I, look, I give him credit for the win, but everybody's de- everybody in his side and Showtime are declaring Jamal the top guy at 160. I, I'm not so sure I'm ready to make that, you know, kind of statement at this point about Jamal at 160. Where do you rank him uh, among the top guys in the middleweight division right
2: now? I mean, there was only one guy above him right now. And, and that's only because I saw the way Devin handled Triple G. He actually hurt him and made him retreat. And that's Canelo and Canelo might not even be a middleweight anymore <laughs> you know so i do think that Jamal deserves that i think he deserves to be called the best guy in the division cuz there's there's nobody else really to prove himself against
3: okay all right we're stopping right there you're out of your mind
1: i know i know who chris I'm is going to say i yes, he's going to say it's
3: like it's bubbling inside no. me are you and saying are you chris saying is my boy Demetrius, Demetrius. That's right.
2: he's are from that area Hold on. Now, the same Demetrius Andrade has to deal with the same thing Bud Crawford has to deal with. He has to deal with the same thing Jamal Charlo used to have to deal with. I know how great he is. But until you prove yourself, I can't say you're the best at that division. And that's just it. Uh, I agree with that. Even though,
4: yes, Demetrius is probably the most skilled boxer in the division. In terms of, you know, pedigree. But you have to prove it against the elite fighters. And as much as I love that guy, he's a friend to... Of ours, um, he needs to get in there with an elite guy, and Jamal did so and, and, and proved it. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, okay. All right, now I'm just going to take the other side of this because I have to. I have to defend the honor of Demetrius Andrade on this show. Like, first of all, we all know he's been basically begging anyone to get in the ring with him. And his promoter has dangled some huge numbers in front of fighters. So it's not like the the finances haven't been there to fight Demetrius Andrade, Jermall Charlo last year could have fought Demetrius Andrade. He didn't need to fight Brandon Adams, who in a fight nobody cared about. He didn't need to fight uh, Dennis Hogan in a fight that nobody cared about. He could have fought Demetrius Andrade, made himself like seven million bucks, and you know maybe he wins that fight. I just think I, I don't, I can't elevate Jermall Charlo to the top non-Canelo guy based on one win. Is that what we're doing? Like Brock, is are we basing it just? On Dervinchenko, because we're forgetting about Andrade, but are we all are we just saying Golovkin's not a top guy anymore based on a close win over
2: Dervinchenko? I think he lost that fight. I think he lost that fight against Dervinchenko. Yeah, we're basing it off one win. It depends on who you win against. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that's it. I, I love Andrade. I think he is the most skillful guy in that division. And and I want him to do well, but he hasn't had the chance. So yes, he's the most eager guy. But he can't be called the the best yet until he Listen. fights somebody in that division. When I'm chasing, I mean, he's the same guy that would call himself the best at 154 pound division when he didn't fight anybody. But he, he knew he was great. That's nice, but you just got to do it. And I believe in him, but he got to prove it. I'm eager
4: to date some of these girls I go after. Doesn't mean I'm going to perform well when I get a you know get a hold
2: of one of them. But I, I'm eager. I'm begging. Why for- did you bring one of those analogies to the Christian <laughs> show? Why? Damn, bad enough you have, you spread them things on our show. <laughs> All right,
3: let, let's say, yeah. let's put put it this way then. Like, let's say early next year, you know, lightning strikes and we get Andrade versus Charlo on Showtime Pay-Per-View or on, I don't care I don't care if it's on the Food Network. Just make that fight happen. Both of you, start with you, Walk. who would you pick in that fight if it happened?
2: Oh, oh no, that's a that's a 50-50 fight. Um it's a picking fight.
4: And I think that, oh man, that's a that's a tough question. I, I would say because Charlo obviously has been tested with an elite. If I had to give somebody the edge, I would give it to him. But um, you know, I like Demetrius, and I and I think I think he has a skill to to outbox and the size to probably give Jamal problems. I'll, be, I'll go back and forth, Chris. It's, it's, a, it's a tough pick for me, honestly. I can't, I can't even tell you. I would have to I would have to wait to fight week, you know, see how these guys weigh in, how they look on the scale, and I probably would be able to pick on fight
2: night. Brock? Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you said me first. Um, I would have to say it's a 50-50 fight, and I can't even give anybody an edge because I go back to the Jamal Charlo fight versus Austin Trout, a slick guy, but a much smaller guy. You couldn't get him out of there. Uh Demetrius Andrade has shown to have a chin, probably better boxing ability, harder puncher. You know, so it's a fifty-fifty shot. I know Jamal proved himself, but you know, he comes with Andrade comes with so many intangibles. It's, it's ridiculous. So that's a fifty-fifty shot. I have no idea. Can't give any man an edge.
3: I I, I think Andrade outboxes him. I, I'm not sure there's a guy at 160 that can outbox Andrade. I mean, he's maddening at times, right. and I've said this to his face. Like you know, there's been opportunity after opportunity for you to build your profile by finishing Maciek Selecki, by taking more chances against Walter Kautendakwa. for not waiting till what the ninth round against Luke, against Luke Keeler to put him out of there after knocking him down in the first round. I mean, Demetrius is he's, he's had his shot to, to build himself up into a bigger name. He's blown it, but I don't think that takes away from the fact that he is, Brilliant, it, technically, it, in the ring.
2: It, it, can I interject? It, though? Can I interject? I mean, yes, he's one of the best fighters I've ever seen. But you know what? I thought Devin was going to be a very hard fight for Jamal Chalo. And Jamal Chalo has this unbelievable jab that can stop boxers. You know, he has this jab. Don't forget that he knocked down Julian Williams with this jab. He also knocked down Bundres with this jab. And that's the thing. That's the game changer that when people get in there, they see that and they say, oh, my God, that jab is a power punch. I got to stay away from it.
4: I couldn't agree with you more, Chris, in regards to to Demetrius. I think that his approach, and we asked him some time ago about people, you know, expecting you to stop certain guys, and his approach is still just a little lackadaisical about that. Look, I just want to get the win. I just need to get the win. But if you want these big fights that you're screaming for, you have to understand that this is a business. Right, people. You know these promoters and networks. They have to feel like people want to watch this fight. You have to create some sort of momentum, whether it's a a, a clip on the internet that goes viral. Uh, you have to show some viciousness in this sport. And and I, I come from like that that sweet science background. I can appreciate the Pernell Whitakers, the Floyd Maywells of the world, but I also understand that in this business, in order to be a draw, you have to give somebody a little a little bit more. And I felt like he. Maybe he dropped the ball a couple of times. With, with has, he has a power and ability to, but you you have to put into play. You have to put that into play and be aggressive and want a guy. You you have to want to get the guy out of there and not be comfortable with cruising to victory.
2: Hey Chris, yeah, I, if you twisted my ahead. arm. If you twisted my arm and and made me pick, then I'd pick Andre. <laughs> okay, doesn't that defeat your argument though of him being <laughs> uh, behind?
3: Uh, behind charlo in the 160 division
2: no not at all see it's not it's not about who do i think is the best it's about who's proven themselves to be the best that's all
3: that's fair no i look the daravicheko win if you're comparing resumes at 160 it puts uh charlo ahead of demetrius in that uh that category i would just say to the both of them Stop talking and fight. There's like $12 million in it for the two of you early next year. What are we doing? Do you need like a Scrooge McDuck money bin to swim through, like to to make this happen? I mean, it's just wild to me how much money, because this to me, guys.
4: Is that that in the pot for those
3: guys? I I have seen the offer, the email offer, to Jermall Charlo for seven million dollars. Andre, I don't think he he fully negotiated the deal with Eddie for that fight, but I've been told it would be in the four or five million dollar range for him in that fight. Uh, it it reminds me. I'll tell you, just it reminds me of what happened with Mo Hooker and Jose Ramirez. And look at how smart Jose Ramirez looks right now. He went across the street. He beat Mo Hooker. He collected like a $4 million check. He picked up another belt. And now his profile is significantly higher as a result of it. To make money, you got to take risks. And if I'm Jamal Charlo, that's a risk I would run towards. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, quickly on Jermel. uh I mean, I- I'm really impressed with what he's been doing. Uh, you know, Rosario, you can debate how good he was. Did he get have a good night against uh, J-Rock Williams? Or was that just, you know, uh, part of the ascension of Jason Rosario? Whatever you want to say about it. I mean, Jamel Charlo having to fight backwards for, you know, one of the few times I think in his career, you know, was brilliant. Knocking him down three times, finishing off with a jab. I mean, Barack, have you ever seen a fight finished off in that way?
2: Uh, yes, it was Kovalev versus, um, what's that guy? Yard. But that was like yeah. total exhaustion. It wasn't like the perfectly, what it was, it was a perfectly timed jab. When you're not expecting that he shot up top first, he went down. He wasn't expecting, he didn't tighten up and it just hit him in the right spot, right time.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Great shot. Uh, Ak, do you, do you care about a Jermel, Charlo, Patrick to share a unification or is there another fight for Jermel Charlo that interests you because to is out there saying like, I'll do it. Of course he'll do it. Cause he doesn't want to fight Brian Castaño because he might lose that fight. And there are like, you know, nickels in it for a fight like that. You want to fight Jermell Charlo and get paid off of it. But does that, does that fight interest you? Or yeah. is it like Charlo, Jared heard more of an interesting fight?
4: Yeah, no, that fight doesn't interest me at, at all. To be uh, completely honest with you, I, I I don't think the fans care about it. No, this is no disrespect to uh to Zachera. I mean, deserves the uh, the fight. I mean, I, I yes, at this point, you know, Ch- Charlo has raised his profile with this big win against Rosario. I think, considering everything that's been happening in our world, and and people not knowing. What's going to happen tomorrow, you know, with this unexpected, you know, type of uh, life we're living now? We, we need to start doing things and, and less waiting. So, yes, I mean, uh, Jared heard that that's a great name to throw out there. Obviously, we, we would love to see a Munguilla fight should he win his next fight. Uh, I'm guess Jaime Munguilla. But I think those are the type of names that, that we need to see Jamel uh, uh, go up against. And I think eventually he's probably going to go up to middleweight.
3: Well, that's, I would say one thing about Jaime Munguilla you are not going to see him in with Anybody tough until they can get him to Canelo at some point in 2020, whatever. <laughs> like, there's no way. No, like they need Jaime Munguia to have a perfect record so it can be Mexico City, hundred thousand fans in a, in Azteca Stadium or something like that. It's they fine. need it's not to be
4: too it. easy though. Johnson is, is no. pretty, pretty tough guy.
3: No, you're right. You're right. Um, you're right. Uh, Johnson's Johnson's actually going to be his toughest test at middleweight, but it'll be the Spike O'Sullivan's, Toriano Johnson types. Like, like Andrade's one that's been begging Munguia to get into the ring with him. There is, there's a better chance of me getting into the ring and making 160 and fighting Andrade than Jaime Munguia doing it anytime soon. Barack, just turn to you on the subject of, of Jermell Charlo. Uh, what interests you in his next fight? Is there a guy out there or a fight out there that you'd you know, be up for for his next fight?
2: Um, listen, I know Patrick doesn't bring much to the table. Um, he's, he's been on a win streak ever since he lost to Stevens, but, I mean, don't we want an undisputed champ in the division? I hate going to Ring Magazine, you know, ringtv.com, and seeing that champ picture with, with an empty photo. I hate that. I just want one champ. Once you get past that guy, become the champ, then you have your pick of the litter. You know, why can't we have that first? And, and that's just my opinion. Of course I want him to see him to fight Hurd. I would love to see him fight. I actually want to see him fight Lara. These undisputed you know? champions—they rarely
4: stay undisputed. There's always an issue with one of the sanctioned bodies, and a mandatory where they have to vacate that title. They, they're usually undisputed for two weeks. After that, somebody's going to bitch and
2: complain. And Floyd, Floyd was never undisputed—not for a day. So right. it's just something—it's just something amazing to accomplish, you know. And, and that's all. I mean, that's talking about Hall of Fame, possibly.
3: Yeah, and if you're if you're Jermell Charlo too. Uh, you know, Teixeira, not that it's an easy fight, but it's probably easier than Jared Hurd. It's probably easier than some of those fights on, you know, that could be your chance to be get undisputed while also not taking on, you know, King Kong in the uh, 154-pound division. So it, it might make some sense. Although the other side of it is that Castaño is represented by Al Heyman, and I would imagine that, you know, Al Heyman would want to get that belt from, you know, from Teixeira, Shara. <laughs> And then have his own guys do a, a singular promotion over there. But Teixeira is one of those guys too that he would gladly cross the street. Like there's no, there's no 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 need to hold on to Teixeira over on the Golden Boy side to to protect him from from that kind of spot. Um, all right, let's move on to the heavyweight division. Uh, it seems like the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight. Is just a moving target, right? Like we, we, it's it's October. Now it's December. Now it's December nineteenth, and now maybe it's not December nineteenth because of college football and NFL uh, game scenarios. Um, At at this point, and Barack, I'll ask you first. You know, we could get into early next year before we see Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, especially if the crowd situation isn't figured out. Uh, Obviously, money talks, and if you're Deontay Wilder, you're not changing any plans unless you're guaranteed every nickel that's in your contract for uh, this third fight. But if you can find a way to have that money guaranteed in a subsequent fight, is, is there any upside, if you're Deontay Wilder, to taking an interim fight in between and allowing Fury and Joshua to face off? Or do you just want to get back in the ring and avenge that loss?
2: No, sir. There's no upside to a true champion. There's no upside to that at all because money is not the driving force. You're a millionaire already. You're enjoying the fruits of your labor already. There's not too many other things you want, especially a guy like him who's somewhat simple. You know, he's a family man. He likes having fun with his family. He has all the toys that he wants. What he wants is to get back in that ring and beat the guy that beat him. He wants to be the man in that division. And then if he's the guy to fight Joshua, then he's the guy to fight joshua and, and that's what he wants so uh i think i think he comes from that cloth where i need my revenge i want to prove everybody wrong and i want i want to prove what i've been saying for all these years that i'm the best how many times has he said that
3: what do you think Oc?
4: yeah i mean i would have to echo barack's position on this i mean i i don't see no benefit in him at first It's was, it was too risky um, we, we don't, you know, we don't know what happens with Joshua and Fury, and uh, you know, obviously the Joshua Wilder fight, you know, it, it's not what it once was, uh, and and the revenge and the pride is what's driving Deontay now. Um, like Barack mentioned, the simple dude, he's made millions of dollars. Um, he was his ego, he was embarrassed, he 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 was. Uh, you know, he needs to redeem himself for himself. This is like more of an emotional and mental thing right now, way beyond money. And uh, I don't see, I mean, I don't see uh, Fury fighting anybody else before Wilder.
3: Brock, let me let, let me ask you this. Um, you know, w- in the weeks before AJ fought Andy Ruiz, I was reasonably confident AJ was going to win. I-, I thought Ruiz, you know, it's not a lucky punch because you land a punch right on the temple and that's your job. But I thought he landed... You know, a shot that completely messed up Joshua. And I didn't think that was going to happen again. So one way or the other, I was pretty confident AJ was going to win. I'm not as confident about Wilder. I mean, maybe it's because he's in his mid-30s at this point. Maybe it's because of the way Tyson Fury beat him, not just outpointing him, but taking the fight to him and stopping him. Uh, how, how do you feel confidence-wise about Wilder's ability to win this third fight?
2: Hey, I'm one of the... This- probably the 3% that actually believes that his legs were shot before he got into that ring. Was it the suit? I don't know. But I definitely know how Wilder fights. I've seen him fight everybody else, and he's always on his toes the first few rounds. Unless he feels that he can take you out the first round, he'll plant down on his punches. But normally, he doesn't really commit until later on in in the round if you're a better boxer. So you're dealing with somebody who always on his toes, wasn't on his toes in the first round, that says something right there to me. But a lot of people say that he was beat in the first fight, which was a draw, and he was totally dominated in the second fight. So I I, I understand what you're saying. I I look at Joshua. Joshua was winning that fight before he got stopped. You know, so, I mean, he was was winning before he had the first knockdown. (laughs) You know, so it's like I can understand when people don't have faith in Wilder winning. But I'm holding on. I'm holding on to that little thread and saying that if the man comes in there with some legs, with some movement, then we'll see a different fight. Not saying he'll 100% win, but we'll see a different fight. I, I mean,
4: uh, I, the, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm rooting for jo- uh, for Wilder, right? Um, but it, it brings me back to the Prince Nassim Ahmed that had the momentum of being a, the hardest featherweight ever in history. It hit so hard. One shot will put you out. Being that small. It was remarkable. And uh, you know, when he when he faced Barrera, we saw what happened. I think if if not Prince Nassim would have fight Barrera ten times, I think we'll see the same outcome if that would have happened, because it's just that style. And I believe, you know, that, that, that Fury has that, but in addition to the style, it's the size, it's looking up at a guy. I I mean, I can't I can't imagine anybody beating a guy that size that can move that well as as uh, dangerous as Wilder is. You know, with all that being said, we all know what the X factor is here, and we all know if he lands a shot, he obviously can knock anybody out. But he has to get in position. I think Fury is getting more comfortable being in the ring with him. I think the third time, he's going to be even more comfortable, that he w- comfortable than he was the second time around, and it's going to be even harder to beat him then. So, yes, Wilder will have to have his legs, his wits about him, everything, just to get in position, to land that shot. But is that enough relying on that power to win a fight against a guy that's that skilled? That's the thing that's discouraging.
3: Yeah, Barack, you you mentioned the legs. And one thing I don't think is talked about enough is how good Tyson Fury is at leaning on opponents. I remember, you know, doing Steve Cunningham's fight against him. And Cunningham, who had that big knockdown of Fury early on, a lot of energy, he was telling me afterwards, he's like, this guy takes that whole frame and just drops it on your shoulders. And to ox point, like, you know, he's bigger, he's taller than Deontay Wilder. He can lean on him a little bit more. And that takes something out of your legs, too. I mean, yes. the more Fury can do that, which is perfectly legal. It's part of, you know, part of boxing, you know, tangling up and tying up and doing things like that. The mm. more Fury can do that, the more he's gonna drain energy from Wilder and make it harder and harder for Wilder to land that one big shot, which I think we could all agree is probably his only chance to win. Like, he's not going to outbox Tyson Fury. Uh, he's going to have to land that big punch. And if Fury's just out there just aggressively leaning on him, uh, those legs are going to go
2: away quickly. Yeah, Sugar Hill kind of turned him into, like, the ultimate fighter because he was always that kind of guy. Even though when he used to box and move, he was that kind of guy that knew that he was bigger than most of his opponents. So he would put that weight on you. Um, even Otto Wallin said that he, he was a bully in there. He bullied him around. You know, and so I understand that that's something that's, you know, can can win you to fight can give you that big edge. And that's why I said the difference is in the legs, the legs will keep you away. You're not leaning on Floyd if he doesn't want you to, and the legs will keep you away. And if you don't have legs, then yes, you're going to have the repeat of that.
3: Yeah, Fury's, Fury's great at that. I mean, he's the most skilled guy in the heavyweight division, and yeah. uh, he's he's got all the tricks in, in his yeah. bag, that's for sure. Um, quickly on this Pacquiao-McGregor stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, he, uh, Here's my thought on Manny Pacquiao. Uh, he's earned the right to do whatever the hell he wants. Like, if Pacquiao wants to fight Conor McGregor, I'm not going to be out there saying Pacquiao's ducking such and such you're ducking Terrence Crawford you're ducking Errol Spence he's beyond that in my opinion like he's he's fought the best he's fought for two decades he's been the fighter of the decade he's you know a first ballot surefire hall of famer he has nothing left to prove in my mind so if he wants to go out there and do what will undoubtedly be an easy money grab I mean McGregor will once again convince people that he can stop him or he can do something with him and sure as I'm sitting here he's going to get knocked out silly by by Manny Pacquiao I I don't have a problem with it there'll be a lot of consternation if that fight ultimately gets made Mm -hmm. uh but I'm not going to be one of them that's grumbling I I grumbled a little bit about Floyd back in the day because I thought Floyd especially in the latter half of his career I I thought he could have done more and fought different guys but when it comes to Pacquiao and McGregor whatever like I I probably won't buy it but uh I'm I'm okay with Pacquiao doing it where do you stand on that?
4: Oh, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, honestly, the people that have any complaints about that, I just ignore them. I don't care if Pacquiao fights Donald Duck. Like, I really – this man has done so much for the sport, you know, and he has accomplished so much. Even before the Thurman win, which that just added a little icing on the cake, he's already done enough to be able to sail off to the sunset and and do a tour fighting in exhibitions if he likes, right? So – we know that Pacquiao is in the sport for one last money grab. Why would he fight anybody else if he can go to Saudi Arabia and make $50 million uh, to fight Connor in a fight that he, know it's, he knows is not dangerous? He knows he'll win, you know, easily. I mean, what more do you want from this guy that started fighting at 106 pounds? You know, he's 42 years old. We talked about it on the show earlier. When it comes to Pacquiao and who he's going to fight, you will never hear anything out of any complaint out of me. This kind of stuff, I'm okay with all of it.
3: Yeah, Barack, the like the I think what almost works against Pacquiao is that he won the Thurman fight. Like if Pacquiao had lost the Thurman fight, I think every would have been like, All right, great, go fight Conor McGregor. It'll be like a charade, like, you know, Ali going over to Japan or and fighting, you know, a sumo wrestler. Like it, it just would have been, you know, something goofy. But the fact that he beat Thurman. I think there's some people that are like, well, he's still a top guy. He should still be fighting top guys. And yeah, look, I'd sign up for Pacquiao Mikey Garcia. I think that's a terrific fight and a coin flip fight. Of course, I'd want to see Terrence Crawford. Of course, I'd want to see Errol Spence. But Pacquiao to me is
2: beyond reproach. I I totally agree with you. Uh, Accomplishments, they, they breed expectations. And that's the thing because he beat Thurman we have these high expectations of a 41, about to be 42 year old man, the same way we, we had with Floyd. But on the other hand, I do feel the same way you guys feel that, you know, After Chris, after you beat Mungia, I wouldn't care if Manny Pacquiao was to fight you. You know, so yeah, I, I get it. I do feel that way, but on the other hand, this is prize fighting. And the prize come from what us, the fans. And in order to get me to pay upwards of $85 for a pay-per-view, that I'm going to need you to fight somebody a little bit better than Conor McGregor. That's all. Am I mad at you? No, but I just might not tune in. That's all. See, that, hey, that's the that's the issue. He, he's not worried about the, the pay-per-view. If he's guaranteed
4: a certain amount of money to fight uh, Conor McGregor, Pacquiao could care less who watches that fight. This is his sale all fight, and that's it.
3: No, you're right, Ock. If, if that fight winds up in the Middle East, chances are it wouldn't even be a pay-per-view in the U.S. because, you know, afternoon time, you know, just like what it was with Joshua uh, against uh, Ruiz, uh, you know, maybe it winds up on a network. Maybe it winds up somewhere. It winds up on zone. Who knows, you know, in, in a situation uh, like that. So we'll see. Uh, obviously, you know, nothing is close to happening because I swear to God, more people claim to represent Manny Pacquiao than I actually <laughs> know. Like, it's pretty wild how that works. But if it happens... Uh, it happens. Uh, real quick on a couple of topics here. Uh, Devin Haney and Yuriorkas Gamboa, that seems likely to happen on November 7th. Haney uh, is a 135 belt holder. He's he got the title after, of course, uh, Vasily Lomachenko was elevated to that uh, franchise champion. Gamboa, uh, about a year removed from a knockout loss to uh, Gervonta Davis, but that was a fight that he claimed he had a torn Achilles in, went uh, about 11 rounds in that fight. Barack, what do you think of... Uh, Haney versus Gamboa especially in the aftermath of some pretty decent social media trash talk between Haney and Gary Russell it's
2: it's that expectations things again it's, it's a letdown and now if it wasn't for if if we didn't see that that whole debacle between him and Russell online then I probably would accepted it a little bit better you know but, but when you have this guy and Gary Russell who is a great fighter much smaller but a great fighter and he's in his prime and then you compare him to Gamboa, who's actually out of his prime, you know, it's, it's kind of a letdown, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little optimistic. I think that if Gamboa goes back to the drawing board, has, has a, uh, a stronger Achilles now, I think he might give a good account for himself. I'm, I mean, if he's that gifted enough and that um, talented enough to survive that many rounds with Javante Davis, then I think he can give uh, Devin Haney a little bit of trouble.
3: Yeah, Ak, I look at Devin Haney, even though he's a title holder, I don't really look at him that way. I kind of look at him, like, in the same way I looked at Jaime Munguia when he was a title holder. Like, yeah, you've got a title, but you're not, you're still kind of a prospect in my mind. And along those lines, I don't mind Gamboa because Gamboa is kind of a stepping stone type of guy. He's the biggest name that will be on uh, Devin Haney's resume. He's probably going to come to fight, which means you might have an explosive ending uh, to, to that fight. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be a decent springboard for him going into 2021 when there could be a Ryan Garcia matchup or maybe a matchup with uh, Teofimo Lopez or Javante Davis. Somebody mm-hmm. along those lines could be available to Devin Haney. I, I, don't, I don't have a big problem with it.
4: I don't, I mean, I'm not crazy about the fight, but he has no other options right now, right? That's the biggest name uh, and the mo- and available opponent right now. And also you have that, you know, benchmark there to, against Tank Davis to see how he can finish Gamboa. Because in my opinion, uh, I think Gamboa is way past his prime. Uh, the fact that he was so strategic in surviving in the tank fight. and and held at the proper times where I I could understand the frustration in Tank Davis not being able to get him out of there. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying that Devin is not a champion. I do get your point to a certain degree, but I want to give him the the, the respect that he is a champion, but he just hasn't had the opportunity to fight those guys. We want him to fight at this point. um, We have to look at him as a champion. So there's no, uh, we, so we don't need any time before he, he fights the femos of the world, you know, or the Tank Davises of the world. All those guys are ready to fight each other tomorrow, right? In terms of where they are in their careers, um, I think that the fight is going to be explosive. As you mentioned, it's a recipe for a knockout. And I see Devin Haney get him out of there in about six rounds.
3: Barack, how, how does Gary Russell spin this? Like, I'm curious to see how Russell, when he reemerges, how he spins all this. Like, he was asking for $1.5 million, which... You know, in Eddie Hearn bucks is even in this post-pandemic world is not a significant amount. Like you can get, and you did get 1.5 million. You know, for a fight like that, he, his I saw that video he posted, and I like Gary Russell, but I saw that video that he posted. It didn't make a lot of sense. Where he's like, well, we're not sure if Matchroom's gonna buy it or DAZN's gonna buy it. Of course, they're gonna buy it. That's a good fight. That's exactly right. the kind of fight that Matchroom. And DeZone ultimately wants. I, Russell's been on a weird streak of late. He's challenging Terrence Crawford. He's challenging Devin Haney. Nothing's actually coming uh, to fruition. How, how do you think he he sort of spins this after uh, it's all said and done?
2: I don't. I don't think he can. I really don't think he can. I think he put himself in a bad position when he he went in the dressing room with Leo Santa Cruz's father and kind of like threatened him on on video. And I think secretly he's being blackballed. That's just my opinion. You know, I don't, I don't have any facts, but I think that's what's going on. And I think when you're in that position, people just overlook you. And now you're at the point where you'll do anything. You'll start a fight with a heavyweight so you can get into that ring. And that's basically what he did when you want to fight Terrence Crawford. You yeah. know, so, I mean, next he's going to call out Canelo. You know, <laughs> so I think he's just in a bad, he's just in a bad position right now. And it's going to be hard to get out of there. Yeah, but he was he wasn't, that desperate because
4: he he would have took the opportunity for the one point five million. I didn't understand what he was saying because obviously if a network doesn't pick up the fight, then the fight is not going to happen. So if you're willing to fight, you know Haney, and and you're okay with the with the purse, then I mean, does it matter what network it's on unless he wanted it to be on a certain network? I was confused about that whole thing as well. Um, he isn't in, in a bad position, and, and we and we like Gary Russell. He's a hell of a fighter. Been on our show several times. friends of the room. He, he, I, I don't know. I don't know. Barack might be right. There might be some some powers to be that, that are giving him a hard time. He did, he's he's not getting any younger. He needs some big fights to happen very soon, and um, two of them just slipped away. I guess so mainly the Haney one, which is more realistic.
2: Have you ever heard of Al Heyman leaving it in the fighter's hands to make a fight? Oh, no, you, you go talk to the promoter. Let him make the deal. Like, this is just something new to me, and I, I do understand that, that maybe he should have accepted that 1.5, but I'm under the impression that he felt that it wasn't that easy. He felt that it wasn't just a 1.5 and everything he needed and everything he wanted, you know? So I just think he's in a bad position, and it, I, don't, I don't know how he's going to dig himself out of that.
3: I would say, when it comes to these offers Eddie puts out there, there's at least evidence that he backs it up. And the evidence is Jose Ramirez, to go back to that. Like, Ramirez got a pile of money for a one-off type fight that Eddie wanted to make. So anytime somebody says, well, it's not a real offer, I kind of keep looking back at that and go, well, that was. And that was a lot more than than the 1.5. And if you're Gary Russell, the... The biggest upside to fighting Devin Haney, in addition to getting the money and beating potentially a young prospect, if you win, you've got an argument to face Lomachenko again. And we all know he wants to fight Lomachenko. Uh, get a, a run it back one more time. I don't believe that Gervonta Davis will fight Lomachenko even if Lomachenko beats Teofimo Lopez. I think Russell versus Loma, too, would be almost a, an automatic lock if he beat uh, Devin Haney. It might even be a fight that could be made if he makes it close against Devin Haney. So I think he, he's passing up on this opportunity and maybe the next one by not, ta- not jumping at that offer to fight Devin. But, you know, we'll see what ultimately happens. Uh, last thing for you. Uh, Jake, Daniel Jacobs is going to come back in November as well. Uh, he is likely, almost certainly, going to fight Gabriel Rosado, who uh, has been a warrior over the years, 154 pounds, 160 pounds. This fight's going to be at 168. Uh, Barack... I do not like this fight at all. I do not like Green Eggs and Ham. I do not like it, Sam. I, I don't like. I just think, you know, I, I don't. I don't see Gabe Rosado's path to victory here. I mean, Gabe's been a tough guy for a number of years, but when he fights the top guys, it doesn't go well for him. He either gets cut up and stopped, or he gets outpointed. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen Jacobs after kind of that sort of farcical matchup he had with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fight at least a real super middleweight. I would have liked to have seen John Ryder, which we know is somebody that they have talked about. Ryder, of course, coming off a uh, a tough loss to Callum Smith. I would have really liked to have seen David Lemieux. Lemieux, I think, is going to fight this weekend. Uh, maybe could have turned around if he won quickly and fought uh, Daniel Jacobs. That would have been at least potentially explosive on there. I just kind of... I don't know about you, but I I kind of shrug at Jacobs versus Rosado. There'll be a ton of trash talk. I just don't think it'll... I don't think it'll be reinforced by quality action in the ring.
2: Um, I totally agree with you. I I believe that it it doesn't match the progression of a boxer's career. And I'm talking about Daniel Jacobs. You just beat Chavez. I think you should go a step above now and, and get one of the top guys at 168 pound division. I mean, that's what you moved up to that division for. You already faced the two top guys in the middleweight division, made buckets of money, I don't see why you would fight a Gabriel Rosado. Now, I can understand when things get personal online, and if it's real true animosity, then I can understand that. It just doesn't do much for boxing, and it doesn't do much for your career. And especially if you lose, it really messes up your career. I think he should have fought a John Ryder, or maybe even petitioned for maybe a Billy Joe Saunders. Just somebody with a bigger name and with a belt in that division.
3: Ak, what do you think?
4: I mean, I agree with that, but th- th- there's a flip side to that. You know, look, the pandemic put a halt to everything. You know, guys want to get back into into the ring. We don't know how their quarantine went. Um, we don't know if he's – I mean, no, he, I know he fought Chavez, but there's a story behind this, right? That, you know, obviously social media is so powerful nowadays. I mean – we damn near created a fight on social media with Clarissa Shields against Layla Ali, just from a clip, right? So social media is that problem. The fact that these guys have been in front of a camera, beefing with each other, and a lot of those clip has, clips has, have gone viral, there, there's some meat on the bones there, right, to sell a fight to a casual fan, right? Yeah, it might not be the best fight but for boxing. And, and, and yeah, we want to see Daniel against him. And it's not to discredit uh, um, Rosario he, he damn near knocked out Sulesky uh, you know in, in Philadelphia that day you know and yes he has losses and so did uh, Freddie Pendleton had in, in the lightweight division years ago he became champion after having 16 losses right so you'll Fred never in won- the grass what are we talking about no, no, <laughs> Pendleton, <laughs> Pendleton. Look him up.
3: Sixteen. That went losses. way over my head.
4: <laughs> Sixteen losses before he became world champion. I say all that to say that you know a guy like Rosario, uh, Rosado. You don't, you don't ever want to count him out. He obviously feels passionate about this. It's personal, like Barack alluded to, and um, I think we'll get a, we'll get a decent matchup. Um, it, you know, I, I'm. I can stomach. Your face it. just told it all right there. You're, you know, you, you it, I, look, Both those guys are our buddies, man. Like I, I'm. I'm glad that Rosado get the opportunity to make some money and an opportunity to beat a guy like Jacobs, right? I think we're gonna get a good fight. You know, a lot of times, you know, these fighters will fight those top elite guys that we want, and it turns out that you know it turned out to be snoozes. I, I think this particular fight is gonna be fun to watch.
3: There'll be a lot of build-up, that's for sure. I just, at 168, I don't think Gabe has real knockout power. I mean, never really had real knockout power anyway, mm-hmm. but at 168 pounds, and I maybe it's, you know, I don't know, it's not recency bias, but I, I look back at the fight Rosado had in Phoenix when he had to fight basically the walkout fight uh, after uh, the gym was, the entire arena was cleared after everybody threw, you know, basically all their beer at chavez brian kenny and me uh during the uh the aftermath of that fight it, it wasn't a good performance by rosado he won against a guy that was you know looked wholly out of shape and was just kind of there and so it didn't i don't feel like he had any kind of momentum going into this fight but to your point there will be a lot of talk and there'll be a lot of build up and there'll be a lot of uh at least buzz on social media leading into it and maybe maybe we cross our fingers and hope we get uh, a good fight out of it. Fellas, I uh, appreciate your time and joining me on the show. Check out Akin Barak every weekday, 12 to one on Sirius XM 156 Fight Nation. That also streams live or streams on DAZN. Uh, you can hear a lot of good talk about boxing culture and of course, hatred for Demetrius Andrade on that no show.
2: Way. No way. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's oh, oh, <laughs> another <laughs> guy. We know his ability, man, but you got to prove your ability. And just, and that's the thing, man. Like we tend to be biased and I, I, I'll admit that I am biased. So I just don't want my bias promoting Demetrius to where he doesn't belong so quickly. No, yeah. It's,
3: it's all right. I, you know, you guys realize I can title these, uh, these podcasts <laughs> any way I want. It's going to be Akin Barak hate Demetrius Andre. It's going to be the... Right across the Bob on iTunes uh, yeah, on uh, no Friday morning. <laughs> Fellas, appreciate it. Take it easy, man. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you, man.
0: Thanks for having us. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do. Because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep. And that's why I'm grateful for All right, joining me now on the show, he is the heavyweight contender. He coming off a loss, to Alexander Povetkin. He is getting right back into the ring, November twenty first, in a fight that you'll uh, likely see here in the U.S. on DAZN. He is Dillian White. Dillian, how are you, man?
5: I'm good, my man. I'm good, man. Just, just i um, training and just chilling out, man.
3: So, a couple of things I want to, I want to address from the last fight. Um... From your perspective, was that just a, when Pavekin caught you, was that just a moment where your your guard was down? I mean what what happened in that moment?
5: You know what, it was it's a moment where you know, um we both went for the for the punch. I went to count with the left hook, he came up with the upper cut and he got he's got there before me, and obviously he's a short fighter, he's got short arms, he's a stuckier fighter and that's what Pavekin does. I've you know, um I went to Carter he just threw a sharper shot and what I threw up the middle and it got there before mine landed. I mean, I was, I was one punch away from knocking him out and clearly um, he was one punch away from knocking me out. So he just got there before me, really.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I think like everybody else, I watched that fourth round and I said, you know, it's only a matter of time before Gillian yeah. catches him and finishes the fight. Was, was there any part of you going into that fifth round as you look back on it now, were you overconfident at all? Did you let down a little bit more than you should? No, you know what it was.
5: Um, boxing, the thing you got to make so much decisions so fast, and and and, and you know, it's one of those ones where you know um, I probably could have steamed him earlier. You know, it's one of those ones where I'm thinking, all right, you know, obviously he's tough, he's experienced, and he's dangerous when he's hurt a lot of the time. If you watch his fight, sometimes he get tagged, and that's not the guy that's I was like, okay, he's hurt. let me start stretching him a bit now and then pick it up mid-round next round and get a good, clean knockout, you know. So I was was a bit like, okay, cool. Um, Otherwise, I'd just gone out and just steamed him at the start of the round. But I was like, okay, still dangerous. Let me see what he's got. So see how much he's got left in the tank before I pick up and start running into a punch and getting countered, you know. But, you know, like I said, there's uh, a hundred things I could have done or I couldn't have done at that time. But he dipped low, I went to count because earlier can't with the same shot earlier, but you know, he was in better position than I was and he just came up the middle. That's all.
3: When you got up Dillian and, and kind of regained your senses there. I mean, what was your first thought? Was it, I got to get run this back right away. I mean, what was the first things that ran through your mind?
5: The first, the first thought was obviously to see, just remember in my mind what happened and I know happened. Really. That was it. Is That what happened and what happened. And straight I remember what happened. And I remember exactly what punch I I remember exactly what punch I got hit with. It wasn't that when I was buffered, I was dazed. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, cool, that's what happened. And then that's why I straight away, immediately, before I even made it back to the changing room, I started asking for the rematch. I didn't go back and sit down. You know, I started asking for the rematch because I know I can beat him. And I know I have what it takes to beat him. I know how to beat him. And he knows as well. You know, obviously, I was dominating the fight. But, you know, he was the better man the night because he won. You know, I was dominating the fight in our department. I was dominating the fight in power, in speed, boxing. You know, I was controlling. I had seven amateur fights. This dude had over 100, 200 amateur fights. And you know, I was controlling the fight. He had 40 fights. I had 20-something fights. So I was controlling him. I was like, okay, you know, so straight away I was like, you know what? I made a mistake. He boxed excellent. And he did what he had to do as a, as a, far, a former Olympic gold medalist and former world Champion. He did what he had to do.
3: When, when we've seen fighters on your level, Dillian, lose a fight like that, whether it's AJ or Deontay Wilder, they want to take some time off. I mean, AJ took six months off between his rematch with Ruiz. I mean, I don't know when Wilder and Fury are going to get back in the ring. It could be early next year before they fight their rematch. Why was it important to you to do this basically three months after the fight?
5: Because I'm I'm different from those guys. I'm not saying I'm 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 better than them or I'm stronger than them or whatever. But mentally, I'm different from those guys. I don't see losses. Oh man, I got beat up. I don't see losses. You know what? I made the mistake. I'm gonna go straight back in and learn from the mistake, and get straight back in there. You know, I'm already in shape. I'm already in a, in a better place mentally. I just fought, and I'm fighting the exact same guy, and I know what I got to do. And and in his head, he knows what he's going to do to beat me. So just made for a great fight it's not a fight that gone on too long and becomes still and one of the guys has gone off and lost or one of the you know what i mean it's like it's an it's a dangerous fight it's very dangerous fight it's an immediate rematch and it's confidence it should the roof now um as i'm sure it was before the fight
3: you as you mentioned you were dominating up until that uh that knockout punch had the the couple of knockdowns in that fourth round. do you go into this training camp? thinking like, all right, I have to make some changes for the rematch? Or do you think if I do the same things, more likely than not, I'm going to win?
5: You know what? I've got to make some minor adjustments. You know, I think nothing wrong with what I did. I know I did it. i just got to make some minor adjustments, stay switched on a bit more. And, um, you know, there's, there's lots of chess. I can go off them early. I can box him and then pick it up mid you know, There's lots of chess and lots of options for me. I just feel great having those options. And realistically, his options is much more limited than, the, than my options, you know, even though I've lost. You know, people might think I'm crazy saying this, but that's how I feel anyway.
3: Do you feel like there – or is there going to be any changes within your team after a loss like that? No, no, there ain't
5: going to be no changes. You know, obviously my, my team stays the same, you know. I was boxing probably one of the best of boxing in a long time. Early doors were shot defensively. I was picking a jab. I was out jabbing an Olympian, someone who did over 200 amateur fights. Whatever. I was out jabbing him, out boxing him. I was very patient. I was very calm. I was letting him miss the punches that he, he usually take people out with. You know, that little overhand right that he throws and his left hook. I was making a miss and I was countering him all the time. I, know I was roughing him up and stuff. But I just need to just go back, be a bit sharper this time, be a bit more together and just... Show my level, you know what I mean. Just, just show, show my level, you know. That's all I gotta do, man.
3: You know, a, a lot of people, myself included, had a lot of respect for your willingness to take a fight like this um, in the middle of the pandemic with no crowd, and and probably costing yourself a little bit of money or a lot of money because of the absence of the live gate. You're gonna do it. I mean, probably again. I mean, I guess nobody really knows what's gonna ha- what the world's gonna be like in November. But did that enter your, into your mind at all that? You know, a fight that was already pretty big. The rematch is going to be even bigger, and you may have to do it again with no fans.
5: You know what? It took some getting used to, you know, obviously not having the fans <laughs> and the people and the family around and stuff like that, you know. But I'm a fighter, man, you know. I, I, I'm a fighter and I'm a warrior. I'm not someone who worries about this or get scared. But I, I'm just a fighter. I just want to fight. I have the best fights I can do. Fight the best fighters I can fight. You know, I, I win the world title. You know, that that's it. You know, I'm not one of those ones that want to eat my way through and duck and dive. And I didn't have to fight with Vicky. You know? I could have just waited. I could have fought. I keep busy fighting America, or wherever one of the, the zone shows. And just no one would complain. No people saw his manager. He's waiting like all the other guys does. You know, like Steven waited two years for the manager to fight at the NT Water. He didn't fight, fight no one. I think he had one fight in two years. But I didn't mm-hmm. want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's not in my makeup. And that's not why the people get me and support me. They get me and support me because they see my fight, and I like fighting these guys. I like taking these dangerous fights. I like fighting the guys that no one else wants to fight, you know?
3: Mm -hmm. No question. Pavekian's one of those guys. You mentioned that you're not likely or you're not going to make any changes with your team. We've seen you in the past, Dillian, get caught with that kind of shot, the uppercut, uh, before in some other fights. I mean, is that... Is, are there things you can do or things you are planning on doing to to get better at defending that specific shot?
5: There's lots of things, but, you know, people say that, but the, the times I've been caught with the uppercut, it's been different circumstances by different fires. Every fire mm-hmm. get hit with the uppercut. it's normal. It, it happens, you know, obviously. I've only been hit by the, um, people think it's a weakness, but every fire is different, you know what I mean? Obviously, you know, okay, I start blocking the uppercut and I get hit with the hook. It's boxing. You're gonna you're gonna get wet. You know. I start. I go out. I start fighting like this, and then I get hit high in the head with the hook. So it's about making the adjustment. You know. It's not about. I know to defend against the uppercut. I defend against the uppercut a lot of time. I've been caught with the uppercut a lot of time too. I knock guys out with the uppercut also. So it's one of those ones where I just have to make the right adjustment and the right timing and do the things I've trained to do at the right time. You know. But like I say it is heavyweight boxing. It's on the big stage. I'm fighting someone who's just as good as me. I'm not fighting someone whose level's below. I'm fighting someone who's just as good as me. So it's all about timing and decision making at the right time.
3: You've bounced back from a loss before. When you lost to Anthony Joshua, you came back and rattled off a double-digit win streak against some of the better heavyweights in boxing. Is this do you feel is this a similar feeling for you coming off the lost Pavekin? Do you have is it the same? Are you feeling the same kind of reaction you have after the Pavekin loss that you did when you lost to Joshua?
5: This one's different because now I got an immediate rematch. You know, um, Mm. it's been five years since that Joshua fight, and I have another rematch yet. This is an immediate rematch. This is different. You know, we both know each other. We both know what kind of power each other carry, you know, and and they realize how dangerous I am now. So they're going to train a lot harder. You know, uh, I'm gonna train not necessarily hard. I'm just gonna probably train a bit smarter in certain departments. You know, and you know I'm not gonna go in the fight thinking, oh, he's just gonna throw the uppercut because doing that is just setting yourself up to get caught with other punches. So I'm just gonna be smart in the fight. That's all, man.
3: How tough was it for you to to lose that number one position? I mean, you worked so hard for it over the years. Uh, and deserved a title shot long before you were scheduled to get one. I mean, when, when you stop to think about that after the fight, I mean, how much did that sting?
5: It sting, man, but these guys is, is, is happy that I lost. You know what I mean? These, I've been chasing these guys a long time. They're happy that I lost, and they're happy that I to fight. I mean, these guys were celebrating and was boasting on social media and stuff. You got their promoters and stuff bragging about me losing the manager because they don't want the guys to fight me and stuff. It, it's silly, really. You know, but it is what it is. Listen, I'm used to setbacks. I'm used to being knocked down. I'm used to being out. I'm used to being the guy that no one cares about. Uh, the guy that it don't matter to me. None of it matters to me. To me. It's, I, I don't. I don't care or pay no mind. I just, you know, um, like I say, anyone that won it can get it. Simple as that.
3: I, I mean the the disrespect, Dillian. The disrespect. You could see it in the rankings that the WBC came out with just this past month. I mean, they dropped you to what five. And they put two guys that just got beat, you know, in worse fashion, whether it's Luis Ortiz or Andy Ruiz, ahead of you in the ranks. I know ultimately maybe it doesn't matter because if you win this fight, you'll jump right back up into the top level. But I don't know. Did you have any reaction to that getting dropped all the way to fifth in the rankings? You know what? I
5: even looked at the rankings and what they do, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at the WBCD. Nothing they do surprised me or shocks me anymore. Listen, I'm I'm surprised that am were still in the top 10, to be honest. I'm surprised you know I'm surprised <laughs> they I ain't surprised how, how they're doing those this to those,
3: you man like they, it,
5: it's, I, it's I don't crazy know, man you know I don't know why didn't they why didn't he jump wild at the number five when he lost a thousand years why and he lost two fights a thousand years, in my opinion why
3: mm-hmm.
5: you know it, it's bullshit you know there's bullshit and they know it and I know it but let them do what they want I got business in the hundred perfect king I gotta take care of him you know and that's what I'm focusing. I'm not focusing on what the rankings want to do. I care about what the rankings want to do. You know what I mean? I'm just going to just go out, and fight, and do my thing. And whatever it is whatever, you know, I'm going to get rid of Tower Shot regardless anyway.
3: Mm. Do you, you know, having that that interim belt essentially put you in line or made you the top contender for the WBC uh, title that Tyson Fury has. Does mm-hmm. that matter? Like, does having that belt matter to you anymore? Is this next fight about getting the win or is it about getting the belt back?
5: I want to get my myself back, man. I want to get my titles back. <laughs> I definitely want to get my titles back. I want to get the interim title back and the the WBC diamond belt. You know, I I, I won every single WBC belt. I'm eligible for apart from the Royal Title. I don't want to get them all back. and go going the world title fight and be a WBC world, world champion. I know none of the other champions has ever done that. I've won every single of the regional belts, all of them, you know. And as I'm saying, that's how I don't get why these guys is is putting me some bullshit number five in the rankings. Bullshit! It, it's it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. You know? They they got to seriously start looking at themselves and start thinking about what they're doing and how they're doing it seriously. You know, they 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 got to. You know, is a mistake, and they 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 got to really think about themselves and what they're doing, and I know they're behaving in such disgraceful manner.
3: Uh, I mean, you're preaching to the choir with me. I mean, they have look. Alexander Usyk is a good fighter, but they have him. I think ranked at two or three in the rankings. They have one heavyweight fight. I mean, you you beat some quality it, guys. It was it wasn't was even a, way
5: it wasn't a WBC sanctioned fight, but they're gonna say, oh, well, he's WBC cruiserweight real champion. So what? Like so what? He fought he fought. Chaz Wiverspin, like, come on, man. Mm. But it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. You know, I've got a great team of people mm. behind me. You know, I've got a good support. The people is getting behind me more and more. I just got to take care of this fight, and then let's see what they're going to say then. They might move to number La- 10 after this fight.
3: <laughs> yeah, if you if you, <laughs> you know. uh, if you if you win, you might move down on if, if, yeah, if exactly, the slot. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Uh, last question for you. Um, when AJ lost, there was a confidence issue with him. You know, afterwards, he had to get his confidence back. There might be a confidence issue now with Deontay Wilder. We haven't really heard from him in the last uh, few months. How is your confidence coming off uh, this that This is fight?
5: different between me and these guys. They both went quiet. They both went into hiding. They did good work. They came back. We just came back box. Well, Deontay Wilder, we don't know when they'll come back. But, what's, like, I don't hide from things, man. There's no point in hiding from things. you got to face it anyway. But that's the difference between them. The mindset and their mentality is different. I don't like when I lost to Josh I didn't go into hiding I lose to perfect I didn't go into hiding I'm like yo let's get it on I'm still here I'm still talking I'm still shot and I still want to fight these guys I still want to fight the best guys I don't care about all of this you win some you, you win some, you lose some it's life you don't win everything in life it's impossible you know and that's my mindset I have a different mindset from these guys you know obviously they've been real champion whatever people say whatever they want I don't care I just want the smoke that's it I don't care
3: On November 21st, you'll get it once again. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, here in the U.S. are looking forward to seeing that rematch with you and Pavekin. Uh, Dillian, good luck in training camp, man. Looking forward to it. uh, Thanks for joining me.
5: Respect, man. Thanks. Cheers.
3: All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it. And
0: I'll see you next week.
1: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
3: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.